Buzzard Internet, and welcome to Two Guys in SharePoint. The only SharePoint show in the Southern Hemisphere, because we've gone global, where everything is not made up, and there are, are no points, no, no, no points, so we don't care. Yeah, it's completely pointless. How are you doing, it Al? Is. I'm all right, Mr. Modlin, all right. Good, man. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, I'm so psyched to be... Hitting this out second week in a row. Get back oh, into magic. the groove. Magic. Look, there's very few things that make me smile. But when you start with the intro, how that, mm, I just I light up like a Christmas tree. Uh, so, yes, it's still the favorite part of my week. Yeah, man, it's a blast. And joining us to make this a blast, we actually have a guest this week. We do, we do. I, I thought about and we've been thinking about it for, for a while now. We generally have people that have things to do with SharePoint because that's what the show is called, right? Two guys in SharePoint. And it tickled me pink because I thought, well, what if, what if we had someone on the show that does not do anything in SharePoint and the little bit that he got exposed to hates SharePoint, even though it wasn't SharePoint that he got exposed to. He got exposed to Azure uh, website that is pushed through SharePoint and the shit doesn't work because it's on GitHub. So his name's Ruan Erasmus and his, his Twitter handle is R Erasmus and I naturally thought it was Rassi Erasmus, you know, because we've spoken to the real Francois Pina on the show and we've also got uh, Andre Fenter, Mr. EPM, and I don't think we've actually had him on the show. We've spoken about getting him on the show for two years now. But yes, and this one would be Rassi Erasmus. So, yeah, it was great to chat to, to Ruan today, get his view on, on what he does as the DevOps ninja, although... Uh, he's more like a DevOps surfer because they, they have these terms, uh, Ruby and Django, and he sounded like a surfer. So it was great to have him on the show this week. Cool. Let's cut to that now. And on this week episode, we are back to having people on the show as interviews. Interviewees, interviewers, I don't know what the right term is. And because I've moved to a new company called Tangent Solutions, who... I usually say I know very little about what they do and they know nothing about what I do. I thought I'd get our resident DevOps ninja onto the show because he doesn't know anything about SharePoint. And when I got here, he started touching things that were kind of SharePoint and more sort of Azure. And uh, he was throwing a lot of things out the window because he hated it. So welcome. Please introduce yourself, who you are, what Hi. is it that you do. Okay, so I'm Rowan. I'm a... GM at Tangent Solutions and mostly focus on DevOps. Um, yeah. So for the SharePoint people and uh, modern workplace people, I think DevOps is a dialect of whatever in a language we don't understand. Yeah. So what what is DevOps? Because we've seen Microsoft go and take VSTS and now rebrand it as Azure DevOps. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the time it's mostly code automation. Um, so I don't think many people know what DevOps are actually. Um, so it starts off with code automation, so actually coding and getting from a developer's computer up into the cloud or on a server. But then it goes deeper than that. It goes into actually uh, methodologies of how projects are run. So we go from the methodology of the actual like Scrum or like Agile 
uh, all the way through to actually getting code deployed and released and visibility to our customers as quickly as possible. So we would go from a idea, uh, break that up into stories. Um, those stories, that methodology will then go carry through where a dev will pick up a story, work on it. Um, there'll be like a definition of done and what is actually done. Then when that story gets moved around on a board, it will then kick off builds, build that code, make sure stuff like Sonocube is run and the, the code is of good quality. And then when those, then there's a kind of like a strategy that we have in our source control from that. We would then build it and then we would go through a release pipeline and get it onto a server or multiple servers or stuff like that. It was 37 seconds of nothing that I understood. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that completely understand that component, but I'm yeah. sure most of our, our, our listeners don't. Where did you start off? I mean, how did you... Because I'm calling you the DevOps Ninja and I see you walking around telling people, your code is rubbish! <laughs> uh, so you like this, this demigod, the, the code police. You know, where did you start? How did you... Uh, I think it's all started many years ago, but like, uh, we started just coding probably like some language like C Sharp and PHP and stuff. And then as time went on, we were like, there must be an easier way than FTPing stuff onto a server. And I mean, and that from there it actually evolved where, because you always had stuff on-prem and people running around with memory sticks and the stuff that you did never worked the same way as it did on the server. And so the way we kind of started this methodology is, I would say a good like six, seven years ago, was to make sure that whatever I deploy from my machine gets deployed onto a server. And we normally break that server down and recreate it every time you push code. So, okay. so, and that kind of methodology led us more to the cloud anyway, because it kind of conducive to breaking down machines and restarting machines. And like, I think, and that's when we started doing that, people were like, we were on-prem, we're like, holy crap, what are you doing? And we were like, a server is cheap, but I don't actually care about the server. Um, and just like, we would, we would deploy a branch on a server and both of those things are super cheap. We didn't care about them. We broke them down. So... Um, there was tools that we started using that could actually set up those machines for us instantly and then deploy our code onto it. So you always had a fresh install pretty much. And yeah, that's where those things started. So like a true born in the cloud person. Yeah, pretty much. Because you guys were never faced with in the old days, and I'm talking like late 90s, early 2000s, where yeah, you've got a you've got a dev environment and it's on prem and yeah, but it worked on my PC. Right? Yeah, exactly. You know, and you got this different. Well, we still have the same shit. Yeah. Diff, different versions of Visual Studio, and yeah. then this build doesn't work with that version of .NET, but it yeah. needs to work with this. But what you're saying, and I remember Dave mentioning it, why Tangent moved to the cloud as fast as they did because your service got stolen twice. Yeah, exactly. So that was more out of necessity, and that's grown where you've now only live in the cloud because yeah. it's the most successful and easiest, and it's just it just works for you. And also, like stuff like uh, I don't know, server as a service was great for us because I don't know, but like nobody I know or works at Tangent actually cares about a server. We don't want to sit and patch servers and yeah. log into it. We want to run our code. That yeah. is the, the end objective. We don't care how it runs, where it runs, how many times it's did some cycle. We don't give us. Yeah. We just want it to run. So what we've done, we want to add value to our clients as quick as possible. And we don't care about the rest too much. So that's why like cloud and so like 
like server as a service pretty much came did you always were you always in the Microsoft space no. you, yeah yeah so we're always open source and only yeah. like take took the Azure routes I'd say like two or three years ago right. so yeah but we, and we mostly just do even now it's mostly open source stuff but open source stuff in Azure though. yeah so we do so I mean we're doing Django Python Java Rails and now .NET Core and C Sharp but most of those were open source technologies and we we were doing front-end frameworks before front-end frameworks were cool because we just we were trying to make stuff into components that we could reuse and so that's why we started using like front-end frameworks and I don't know then they became cool so we're like okay we're already ahead of the curve that thing that you just rattled off there around do do and I heard rails and I think I think we need to rebrand you from a DevOps ninja to a DevOps surfer because the way you said it was just sort of, sort of very sort of laid back. Oh, cool man! <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like something a surfer would say. You know, it, it, it just for me it makes me see you as very comfortable in this very very big world that scares mere mortals like me. Mm. I think it's just because we've we've used all these technologies and. Each one has a strength and a weakness, and we, we've played enough with all these open source technologies to actually know how to actually use them. I think um, when we say open source, it was always, I think some people had like, uh, or were scared of it, mm-hmm. because if something went wrong, you kind of, you were on your own. There was never support yeah. or anything, and I think we were always in the challenge of that. We always, we used all these different technologies, we built our own um modules and plugins and stuff that we were using or we would take one and fix it or upgrade it or change it and give back to the community as much as we could and by giving back to the community we learned more and more technologies and you kind of learn by teaching as well so we kind of that's how we embarked on this journey and now we know we're not scared of technologies mm-hmm. so we just use whatever's right for them it was interesting what you mentioned earlier on around open source always being this thing in the corner that no one wants to touch because yeah. they're afraid of things yeah at the same time, Microsoft embraced open source. Yes. I think they've got the largest open source community in the world. They, yeah. they produce the, the most open source code or Linux yeah. code. And also, I read something a day or two ago where Microsoft is either filing patents for open source to protect uh, creators of open source yeah. applications so that they're not getting sued. Yeah. And everyone thinks Microsoft and open source are two totally separate things, whereas yeah. Microsoft is the biggest proponent of open source right now. Are you seeing that come to the fore much more now than it was, say, three, four years ago? Yeah, definitely much more than before. Um, I don't think it's quite there yet. I think maybe Microsoft needs to kind of have a little bit more of a stance when it comes to those things. I think they kind of like doing things and just letting the community run with it. Where, like, if you look at other frameworks, they are like a little bit more opinionated about how things are done. Right. Um, but I think it's also you have they have to be careful with their reputation. They can't just now be opinionated as well. Yeah. So they're a bit of a catch twenty two. So they they are doing massive things in the open source community. I don't think everybody sees that or trusts it yet. But those things will come. So I think that's why they so stand offish almost yeah. in that scenario. Because um, if you look at like frameworks like Django and Rails, they're very opinionated. They're like, this is how you write stuff, and that's it. Even though okay. it's open source, it's still, if you want to write a gem or plugin or whatever, it has to be in a certain format. And it has to be like this, and it gets tested. And it's just, but the thing is, they can. I think if Microsoft had to do something and mm-hmm. be like very opinionated, people will reject it immediately. So, well, Microsoft has people like you 
to be opinionated on behalf of them. Yeah, I guess so. I think that's, that's really what they're saying. I think this is, this is an intervention where I'm saying that Microsoft is officially reaching out to you to be the opinionated person yeah. around that. But also talking about, about being opinionated. Um, there are areas from a patents and practices perspective that Microsoft is opinionated. If you look at the SharePoint framework, yeah. which is driven out of actually Finland because Vesa stays in Finland, and they're actually doing what you live in, yeah. it's starting to come through from a patents and practices perspective yeah. for products like SharePoint. And it's got its own tool chain yeah. and it's got a workbench and there's a fair amount of maturity there. I mean, we're yeah. all catching up because of the cloud, but you guys have had it there. You've built your own framework. Yeah, right? exactly. And yes, the opinionated stuff needs to come from, I suppose, the community. But, uh, I think the cool part is, is that we did, it's almost like validation. The stuff we started back in the day, um, it seems like, well, I don't know if we were shaped or formed or like everybody, but it seems like there's a, quite a good standard set out now. And we were lucky that we actually, we actually, we were like, oh, shit, we've been doing that. And it's exactly the same way we've been doing it. So if you look at guys like Donovan Brown and, um, how to actually build like VSDS and deploy VSDS using VSDS um, or Azure DevOps like um, we do it exactly the same way so okay. when that tool came around and we found uh, Azure DevOps we were like wow this is exactly what we were looking for because we used 10 or 15 tools before to do the exact same thing and then when that thing came around it was just perfect like it's exactly what we were trying to achieve with all these tools now we just have one tool that does the same thing and I think like that's what like what's cool about like SharePoint and all those other bigger projects. Um, from our point of view, is not just using SharePoint, but how SharePoint is made is, and how they deploy those things is what's also interesting for us. Because from these big vendors, you can actually learn like they've got stuff at much larger scale, and it's quite cool to see that they're doing it exactly the same way. So, if people want to be you, top three things on how to become the DevOps ninja slash surfer. Uh, I'd say you need to know a lot of coding languages um, so all different ones and, and also maybe not know like exact syntax but, syntax but understand why they exist how they work why were they created what are their strengths what are their weaknesses and then also have like a keen eye for like code quality so that's one of the things and then also um, understand methodologies around all kinds of things like scrum and uh, maybe safe and agile and why we use those things um, what have they achieved and then have like a feel for clients like what are they actually looking for because at the end of the day if we're not shipping value we're not doing anything so, so, so apparently uh, there's a there's a Ruan fan club so if people want to get hold of you where do they find the fan club so they can find it on Twitter so it's Ari Rasmus on Twitter and okay. Yeah, and that's not Rusty Rusty. No, no, that's close, but no. Well, well, great for coming on the show, and we'll chat to you soon. Awesome. Thank you you so much for joining us, Ruan. Really appreciate it. (laughs) An uncomfortable pause. (laughs) Waiting for you to introduce the next segment, and you waiting for me to do it. Because, because, it's in the news. Sweet, yes. We'll run through these sort of quickly. We're still sort of dealing with all the news and stuff from Ignite and all of this, but there is actually a bunch of stuff still happening. Um, so, Modlin, before you carry on, yes, uh, you're going to be you're going to 
be embarking on a I will watch every possible cartoon movie produced for the last 40 years soon. And why I'm bringing this up, because Monsters, Inc., right? There's a scene in Monsters, Inc., yes. right in the beginning, where they're practicing to scare the kids. I, I remember it. And you remember it. And then Sully goes in and nah, 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 nah. And then the old bat, whatever creature she is, she does that. Because... And she's asking a question. I just thought I'd give you the reference that I've, I pulled it from. So that in about a year or two, you'll start paraphrasing cars and bugs life and all of those things. It just becomes part of your world. You, you, you're saying this like I needed to have a kid to watch all the animated movies. <laughs> Some okay. of those movies are really amazing. I've watched pretty much most of them. I don't think I've seen the sequels to How, I Tra- How to Train Your Dragon. Uh, or any of the Cars sequels, but I hear they're terrible anyway. No, the, the Cars the Cars sequels were were alright. Cars the first one was was actually the first high definition movie I played through my LCD panel, my thirty two inch that cost me a bucket load of money. Um, it was the first seven twenty. No, I had a ten eighty p version of of Cars with Lightning McQueen. Nice. Before we get into the actual news that everybody came here to listen to, I'm super excited. There's a new Toy Story coming out. That's exciting. Yes, but uh, uh, they, 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 it looks very sad. Though. The, the other three weren't. Like the um, third one was like destroying. Got me right in the feels. With, was that with the with Ken and Barbie and the, and the teddy bear? Yeah, that control things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like they've all been like super rough. Anyhow, people are yes. not here to listen to us talk about toasters. It says the guy who segued us off in the first place. <laughs> so getting all right in the news. Getting into the news, we didn't chat about it last week, um, but there is a preview out for a power map for a power apps admin analytics portal where you can go Ooh. in and you can see a bunch of stuff about how Power Apps is being used in your organization. It'll do stuff like track errors um, and usage. It'll also give you usage by connector, which is quite handy. You can see what the people in your organization are actually using it for. So it's pretty cool. Um, it is in preview. I don't know if it's rolled out to everybody, but uh, you can go check it out if you got it. And that's quite cool. So, yeah, is it uh, first release or targeted release customers that would get it in preview? I think so, yes. I think it's in first release at the moment. I stand to be corrected on that. I'm not actually 100% sure. All right, right. Moving along, let's talk about the other thing that's yes. got to do with Power Apps still, and Flow. Still uh, on Power Apps and Flow. If you go to the Power Apps and Flow blogs, they've each summarized the sessions from Ignite that deal specifically with Power Apps and with Flow which is quite handy. If you're into that sort of thing and you want to get it from the horse's mouth, what's happening and what's going on, that's a nice little resource and you can cherry pick from that. Ah, uh, no, thank you. No. Oh, what a shocker, Al. I thought you would have been first in line. Look, I've got, I've got direct lines to Flow Bro and the other bro. So, and also Dr. Flow. So if I need to know these things, I generally speak to you because you're one of them, the Illuminati, you know, the four flows. Um, 
Yep. So, yeah, no, no, I don't. If I need that stuff done, I'll phone you. Cool. Um, you've got a bit in the news here about organization-wide teams. Ooh. That's cool. Yes, yes. So, now uh, we're going to be doing a, probably a debate. There's some stuff for regarding 365 in this space uh, for this specific topic. So, Microsoft launched org-wide teams. So, you can create a team and it would be an org-wide team. And if you've got a thousand and under users in your organization, this will now have added everyone in your organization to the org-wide team. That's awesome. That is so useful. Rather than having to make an AD group and maintain it, just be able to say everyone. Oh, why, why would it be useful, Modlin? You have Yammer for these things. Yes, you have Yammer for these things if you're using Yammer. But if you're introducing an organization to the Microsoft stack, you want to do it in bite-sized pieces. And if they've got a lot of collaboration needs and you want to do use Teams, then you can use Teams for that same sort of thing anyway. And you don't need to so, so bring let's in talk about another this. technology to do it. Let's talk about this, right? Because it's, it's quite a hot topic right now. First off, another nail in the Yammer coffin. Okay? Let's, let's call a spade a spade. Yeah. Why would you use Yammer inside of Teams? Because you want org-wide announcements, right? Yeah. Okay, first thing. Secondly, what does that mean when it comes to getting news and announcements to the org? Because generally you'd put that in SharePoint, right? It's part of your internet. Well, here's where uh, Flow comes into play, Al, because you can post that news thing in SharePoint and make use of all the full rich functionality of the news pipeline where you get pictures and all of that. And then when it when you publish that, you can have a flow that picks it up and then publishes it to the org-wide team. If it's a big news story, if it's a quick alert, if it's a quick alert of, hey guys, change your password, you can just put it in the org-wide team. So it's a... But that's what Yammer's for. You get the flexibility, is what I'm saying. But that is what Yammer's for. Yeah, but you don't... Yeah, and you could use Flow to post it to Yammer as well. But that's not what we're talking about. You, we, we discussed the Yammer thing, and then you said, oh, can't use SharePoint anymore. No, that works together. I didn't, I didn't say you can't use SharePoint anymore. I said, well, you know, they've got this updated news thing that we talked about, uh, focus news, a focus site asset for news, and, and graphics, and uh, news carousel. So, yes, how... I think it's great what they've done. Um, it's limited to a thousand users, though, but it's great because we've always looked for that single area to go to c- communicate around the entire org. There's also some some tweaks around it. There's some guidance around, so switch off at mentions and all of those things, so that it doesn't just become a, a, a smorgasbord, word salad place for everyone, every man and his dog to comment about everything, right? Um, so, so yeah, there's some things, there's some guidance around when creating a org-wide team that you need to follow. And I think we will probably talk a bit more about uh, uh, there's stuff coming from regarding 365. Speaking about regarding 365, we have an official YouTube channel for two guys in SharePoint on the regarding 365 YouTube page. Yay! Yeah. And also on that, you can catch our... Ignite edition. This is the second year in a row, Modlin, that you're not there. Yeah, bro. 
That's not going to change anytime soon. I'm not getting out to ignite. I, I have to get understudies to stand in for you. I thought he did a very good job. <laughs> Better than Daryl last year? Daryl was good too. Daryl was All good right. too. All right, yes. But Dan, Dan Anyhow, did a great along. job, yeah. Moving along, moving along. Yes. Um, what else What else do we have? Well, you were talking about sort of the death of uh, Yammer. Thing, he- yeah. Here's the death of Staff Hub as well. Apparently, it's being moved, deprecated into teams. Well, yes, it's now, it now sits under teams. Um, so, it's, it's a great tap. I've always liked it for first-line workers because there's, there's over a billion first-line workers, according to Microsoft. And it's some cool stuff around swapping shifts and time off, and you can do some cool announcements and some flows. Very handy and for the users who need it. Yeah. And also, think about it. What is Teams? Teams is the uh, hub for teamwork, right? Yeah. And naturally, it made sense to roll that up. So it's not disappearing. It's just being moved under the Teams umbrella. Oh, that makes sense. So we'll... I mean, there'll still be the Staff Hub app, and most users will still access it through that. I don't know. For our listeners, go actually read the blog post. We're not here to educate you that much. We do a we do a forty thousand foot view of things that you need to go follow up on. That's why you listen to us. That's hopefully why you listen to us. And, and just on that, a big shout out to my homeboy Paul van Staden. Paulus, you always support us. Thanks for the uh, message of encouragement on LinkedIn because we're back. He's one of our regular listeners and actually said, awesome that you guys are back. I thought that would it just made my heart smile, you know, so uh, right in the feels. Sweet. Okay, what else do we have, Martin? Um You've written a thing here that I totally don't care about. Um, apparently, it's like me and Flo. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, you can use the Mac Touch Bar to integrate into OneDrive now. So, let me tell you something, Wendlin. Yeah. When you start working on a Mac with a touch bar, it'll change your life. Change your life. It, so, it looks kind of cool. You get like a a, a custom hot bar. Uh, it's app aware. It's app, it's app aware. So, for the non-MacBook users, you can switch off for the next 35 seconds. I'm speaking to the Mac users. So, the touch bar on the top, great. It's a cool feature. And it's app aware. And it's got different functions for different apps, right? Because yeah. Macs don't have a, a, a function keys. But if you hit the function button, the function keys come on top. So, now you've got touch bar integration for OneDrive for Mac. That's nice little subtle nuances that they're pushing, um, which is quite cool. That That is cool. Like it, it is nice. If you have to use a Mac, at least you can run real programs on it these days. So, that's very cool. Oh, what does that mean, Martin? Because that time, um, real programs. Yeah, like Macs always run real programs. The trick is to figure out how you install programs on a Mac, because that still blows my mind. Yeah, it's it's weird. I I just you drag you drag the icon to the installation folder, and that in in, in its own is such a mission because you click and then it doesn't move and then you click and then it opens and then when it opens it actually mounts the image as an image and if you remove the image from your desktop you actually the app no longer exists so yeah all kinds of confusing all sorts of confusing Um, the next bit in the news we've got here is customized views coming to the SharePoint admin portal so for the 
it's it's nice to be able to drill down. You know that the old what was it? Um, there was a, a a usage and analytics component to Office 365. Still there. Then you had the content add-on pack and all of those things for Power BI. Yeah. So nice to be able to have views for SharePoint administrators. So. Uh, Depending on the type of SharePoint admin, you can actually now customize your views to see what you want to see, not just this plethora of things. Where, because SharePoint is that big, right? Yeah, so it's, quite it does all of the things. <laughs> the stuff's in the thing out there on the interwebs. Uh, next up, I get to announce this. Cool. You can't. Well, having said that, um, the thing is, I'm the co-host and you the host. I mean, I, I don't want to sort of step on anybody's well, toes. Well, actually, we'll, we'll part the curtain a little bit. Elle did basically all of the work on the show notes today. <laughs> so I've just been queuing him up here. Hopefully, it's been seamless oh. and nobody's noticed. Um, nobody's, but nobody notices anyway. They, they'd listen to... Well, do that. We'd like to know what, what they actually enjoy about the show. Um, and I suppose to get that feedback, we'll, we'll have to give away something. Anyhow, next up in our news, uh, for those that actually work in the compliance space, and if you watch our video on uh, the Regarding 365 YouTube channel, you'll know we've had a, a lady, uh, Joe Klein from Saskatchewan. I don't know if I've pronounced that right. Probably not. Yeah. Uh, she's big into compliance. Um, all the data protection and stuff. And Compliance Manager, there's an update. It now includes 12 assessments. They started with like two. Then they launched GDPR. Now it's got NIST and all of those things. So if you're worrying about your Office 365 compliance, you can now run through an assessment program. If you head over to, I think it's servicetrust.microsoft.com uh, or just search for Microsoft Compliance Manager, nice dashboard, and you can run through 12 assessments. Very, very cool. So... Do you happen to know if any of those match up with the poppy requirements? No, there's no poppy compliance there. And apparently we can't call it poppy because uh, the Afrikaans nation said it sounds too much like poppy and they offended. So yeah, bro, don't be a poppy, eh? Uh, don't be a poppy. Because I'll, I'll, don't, don't tune me poppy because I'll buckle your frame. <laughs> that sounded far too natural. <laughs> Uh, but look, I stay behind the second Bureauville skirt in Johannesburg, so yeah, it's grown on me. Anyhow, what else is there, Modern? Um, there are some design uh, updates for the Office 365 uh, interfaces. It's part of Office 2019. We're getting the fluent design stuff, so that's the grids and the colors and the iconography, just to sort of keep all the products in line, I'd assume. I'm very excited about this. So those who are, are actually using the uh, Office 365 Pro Plus, and that means that you are actually deploying Office from there and you're not running it from an ISO, which really actually doesn't exist. You'll no have noticed, and we mentioned it quite a few months back, that it no longer says Office 2016, it says Office 365. Yeah. For Word and PowerPoint. And if you are in targeted release, I think it's... You, there's an office update and it's a it's metro well not that microsoft can use the term that's why they, they call it fluent um or modern they couldn't use metro because once again the uk said but the uk's metro is our train substation right metro so they were like they did with skydrive same thing no you can't use it and had to change it so you got this very sort of monochromatic 
iconography that's come through. Yeah. Wow. It looks really cool. Wow. Yeah. I just said that monochromatic iconography. I sound super hyper-intelligent right there. And that's quite neat. So you've got that. If you're on targeted release and there's been an update, you should see it filtering through to not only your office client, but also the other interfaces uh, from the products that reside in the Office 365 SKU. This is very, very cool. And speaking of interfaces, something that you've written down here that just sounds so good to me, um, a dark mode. For Teams and OneDrive? Yeah. yeah. Oh. So remember Skype, Skype preview got that that dark mode? Yes. Uh, that's coming to Teams and to OneDrive. Oh, I can't wait. I love dark themes, man. Like, it just it makes such a difference to my life. It sounds stupid. It really, I, I acknowledge it sounds stupid. It, it really makes a difference. It's just so much easier on the eyes. Is there a dark mode to Windows? Mm, oh, there's sort of. I can't remember if it was. There's a dark mode to Mac. So Mac. I, I mean, you can mode. you can put themes on that'll make it dark. Right. Uh, uh, so I, I'm not sure if this is a a a Windows announcement or a Mac announcement. But yes, coming to Teams and coming to OneDrive. Some people hate it. Other people say that it gives you a better area of focus. Why do you like it, Model? Outside of because you, you had some emo years as, as a youngster. Like, I was a goth, not an emo. And I don't uh, know that... I, I, I thought I, they were like loosely interchangeable. Uh, I don't know. Like, not, not if you ask either group, but who knows? Uh, and I don't know that I ever really grew out of that. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, just it's it's just it's just nicer. It really is just nicer. All right. What's up next? And and if I type the next item of news, I don't know what it means. <laughs> no, so that was, might want to that skip. was mine. Um, they've oh. just uh, just become generally available. Is conditional access for Outlook.com in the web. So um, if your users are using OWA and whatever in the compliance centers, you can now restrict them and say, if you're not on a compliant machine, you cannot download stuff. Um, So they can view it, but they won't be able to download and and all of that thing. So that's really handy from a compliance point of view that wasn't available before. And uh, now it is. Next up, we're running, we're burning daylight. So for the listeners out there, we would really, we've been trying for the last two years to get the show in under 30 minutes. I think first it was 43 minutes, and we want to get it down to 30 minutes. I can tell you now, even if Odd edits the show, us talking randomly now, plus the, the guest, it's already over 30 minutes. Yeah, we're already hitting like 40, 50 minutes. Like, I think we've done it once. I think we got under 40 minutes once. Yeah, 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 we did but people consume this on their way, their daily commute. So we find it's not a video where we need to be under like 30 minutes or something. All right, next up, uh, file analytics in OneDrive. Well, the OneDrive admins. Is it in the admin center? No, it's in OneDrive. So you can see who saw what and when, which is quite cool. So uh, you had eight people access the file today. That's neat. That, that is neat. And is it that on a file-by-file basis or is there a, a dashboardy type thing? I think it's a file-by-file file basis. That's um, cool. But it's more sort of visible. Like you could always, 
Actually, no, you, you, you could see who it shared to and stuff and last modified, but not not sort of the, the, the more in-depth stuff. Look, That's I, cool. I, I think they want to... They want to look at uh, rich integ- They'll start with something small and they, if they, they get buy-in, they'll, they'll expand on it. Yeah, I mean, this is all of this information is in the Delve fabric, right? Whatever they call it. I can't remember off the top of my head now. Um, but they're constantly going through a cycle of surfacing more of this information to users and to admins, which is really, really good. It's on, only yeah. useful. And on that note, from a compliance, the show's actually been fairly compliant driven, strangely enough, today. It's good to know that we're compliant. <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever be compliant. Admin hold now available for video. So think about from a compliance perspective, you've got keywords, right? And okay. this keyword, if it's used in a document or in an email or in a chat in Teams, boom. You want to put a hold on it because it's breaking compliance. You're not supposed to use that. Because Stream does video to audio transcription or audio transcription of video, remember you get that. So that transcript that will close captioning, whatever you want to call it, as part of Stream, uh, when you record a Teams or if when you stream as is, you upload a video, it will do an audio transcript. That's actually indexed and then... And then all of your compliance policies will then also apply yeah, to that video. Yeah. That's really yeah. handy. Yeah, and it's something simple, right? They go, well, we know that we've got this. Where does it get written to? Okay, same, same. Yeah, I don't know that anybody's reading out credit card numbers or whatever in a meeting, but on the off chance that it is, it's, it's good to be able to lock that down. Think about it this way, right? So now you've got a video where... You record a, a meeting with you and a third-party vendor where you are building a product together. Yeah. And there's certain things in that that you shouldn't discuss with the vendor. Or, well, you can discuss it, but from a consumption perspective, now you can lock down that content because someone might inadvertently share it with someone else. That is really handy, actually, yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're like recording Teams meetings and stuff like that, it's it's good to be able to just lock that down programmatically. Yeah, that's just one way of extending it to um, audio and video. Awesome, that's very very cool. And I think that does it for our new segment today. Yeah, that's it. Uh, fairly concise today. A little bit of ch- uh, chitter-chatter around certain things and why we do that because you listen to us for our opinions, not for our technical knowledge. I think. Yeah, there was uh, f- an, an only one massive tangent, which I may or may not cut out. <laughs> Anyhow, moving on to our next regular segment because we're back to that now. New features all didn't know about of the week. <laughs> and I can actually take credit for this one. Well, now that you say that, um, I was gonna, I was gonna thank you profusely, and I'm not going. That's to... fine. I will take the credit. <laughs> I do not need it it given to me. <laughs> take it and go. Take it and go. So, do you want to introduce nothing... this to the to the listeners? Yes, yes. I am. Ex- There's not many things that really, really, really get me. And that sort of make my life so much more manageable in IT. Doesn't happen. 
You know, I, I got a set of Plantronics, uh, UC6200s, and I thought the active noise cancelling in them are, are phenomenal. And yes, but this, this is a game changer. Everyone uses Chrome and people use Edge and we all have access to multiple tenants. And then what do we do? We run uh, one, uh, we run incognito mode or private mode and nah, 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 and we've got multiple browsers open and we don't know where things are. In, in my case, I run Opera and I even downloaded Vivaldi. Just so you so could have could extra browsers for more accounts. For more accounts, portal.office.com, I can log in with a different account. And uh, you try it in one browser and it says, mm, uh, okay, sign out. Oh, by the way, you might want to close all your browsers. I'm going, what? I've got 15 tabs open. I have to close everything so I can log in with a different account. Hate, 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 more hate. And multiple windows and all of this. And I, I don't know how the conversation came across, but uh, Modern goes, well, uh, multi-account containers for Firefox. So what this allows you to do is to create, it's almost like creating a Docker containers for your browser where every instantiation of a set container that you create up front. So I've got four tenants, I create four containers. I go to portal.office.com the first time, I log in my credentials for my for tenant one and it, it saves it. So the next time I click on that, I open up the container that says tenant one and I type in portal.office.com and it consumes my digest my authentication. Then I go to the second tenant, same thing. So I can have four tenants, four tenants running in the same browser. Yeah, it's just really mind, mind blasting. Especially as a consultant, like I've got at the moment, I'm currently working with, I think, six different clients and then we have our internal tenant I'm on the two guys in SharePoint tenant and uh, we've got a dev tenant like it's just too many accounts to remember so I've just built a bunch of containers and whenever I need to access a thing I go to that container and it's all stored for you it just makes life infinitely easier it's almost I, I will almost forgive Microsoft for not fixing the account switching in teams yet almost yeah because you can put it in the browser and have them open that's because now I've got my primary team's tenant actually, in my I should team's do that. client. I should actually totally do that. I've still been switching back and forth in the team's client. The team's app. I must no, just, I don't. I must I, just I do don't. it in the browser. That's genius. My private, my pri- well, my primary team's tenant uh, is opened up in the team's app. All the other ones, it's in Firefox. Thanks to you, Modlin. Thanks to you. My absolute pleasure. So, All right, moving on. Running out of time. Uh, Running out of time. Um, our last segment is uh, my segment, Go With The Flow. Uh, you're getting better at it. It's Go With The Flow. Almost there. Two octaves down and you almost there. Nailed it. Um, yeah, so my flow chat today is um, a premium connector for a product called Freshdesk. So I am currently working with a client who runs Freshdesk as their ticketing system for all their internal IT and uh, all of their uh, what the fuck do you call it now facilities. So all of their IT and all of their facilities tickets. All uh, like a service desk or yeah, a service desk, right? It all goes through Freshdesk, which is a online portal and it does its own thing. It manages tickets and so it's got a bit of a workflow, or whatever. And you know, like the problem with this is when you're working with some random ticketing system, it's very difficult 
um, when you're doing process flows and you need to make a ticket for IT to do something, you can't because they're using some random uh, ticketing system. Thankfully, Freshdesk has a connector for Flow. So you can create tickets, update tickets, the whole shebang. So as you're building your processes, if there's an IT task required, you can create the uh, task in Freshdesk using the connector. So I think that's really, really fantastic. And when a new, it's also got triggers. So when a new ticket's created, it can kick off a flow as well to do notifications or if you want to log it somewhere or whatever the case is. Send a notification to the people's phones, all that sort of cool stuff. So it's just a really handy thing. If any of you are working with Freshdesk, you can hook into that with Flow. Is it finished? Is that segment finished? Yeah, Sorry, I was reading news on Facebook while you were talking about Flow. News, he says. I guess then news from Facebook. Yes, but that is that is it for my uh, go with the flow, and that is it for us for today. So if Ooh. if you guys do want to find us online, you can find our website, twoguysandsharepoint.co.za. We're on Twitter, at twoguyssharepoint. I'm on Twitter, at oddmodlin. L is... At Alistair Pugin. And if you want to find us on YouTube, you can look up Regarding365. And yes. I think that's all of the places we are. No, Modlin, dude. 59 episodes. You've, you've got this thing mesmerized. Well, not mesmerized. I become mesmerized when you read the closing section. And it's always, thank you, na, na, na. and you can find us on your podcast app of choice. And don't, you forgot the podcast app. We're a podcast show, not a YouTube show, Modlin. I, I I assume that if people are listening to this, they realize that they're listening to a podcast. But you are quite right. We are also on your podcast app of choice. <laughs> so thank you all very much for joining us. And I will see you and you, Al, next week. Yeah. Just yeah. Ciao.